Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Oshu. I'm your host, Cassidy Lynn, and today we are talking all about client experience with Rachel Traxler. I'm very, very excited to chat with her. This is a topic that we really haven't covered much on this podcast, and I think it's super important for any and all photographers. So I hope you guys like today's episode. It's going to be so good. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Oh Shoot. Today, I'm interviewing Rachel Trexler. Um, I'm very excited for this interview. She's got lots and lots of good knowledge, so she's just going to spill it upon us, and it's going to be great. So, Rachel, introduce yourself, kind of tell everyone what you're about, all those good things. Hello. I'm so, so pumped to be here too. I'm really, really excited for this episode, but yeah, my name is Rachel Traxler and I'm a wedding and elopement photographer and also a photography business coach too. And I just help wedding photographers kind of become industry leaders and just by elevating their client experience and connection and um, through streamlining both like the back end of their business and the front end of their business as well. Yeah. That's amazing. And where are you located? I'm in Wisconsin. No way. <laughs> Good old Midwest. Yes, same. I mean, I didn't know. What part of Wisconsin are you in? Wait, you're from Wisconsin? No, no. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> no. oh my gosh. I was like, wait a minute. I didn't know that. No, I'm in the La Crosse, Wisconsin area. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah. I, I just asked because I don't know, maybe there's someone listening from that area. You never know. So yes. yeah. Cool. I have been in a town of 600 people. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's small. Everyone's like family at that point. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> cool. So tell me a little bit about your story. Like, how did you get started in photography? Like, take me back to how it all started. Yeah. Um, about a decade ago, I started doing like weddings and getting into weddings. And so I really started, obviously, like everyone else shooting friends. And I just always loved photography. I was always that girl with the camera and taking my pictures of my friends in high school and all that stuff. And, but I never really wanted to make it a career. Like it was like actually my point to not make it <laughs> my job. Like I was like, this is just going to be a side thing. I'm just going to mm-hmm. do maybe, maybe a few weddings and sessions on the side and stuff like that. But I, um, you know, as my job, my full-time job out of college, as that started to just really go downhill, like I just really didn't like it. It was stress. I'm an Enneagram type seven. And so my job was in the medical field and I worked in the cancer center at Mayo Clinic in Rochester. So I was working with cancer patients who unfortunately were, you know, terminal at that point. And so going from working with people who were, you know, terminal to photographing people on the happiest day of their lives or like happy events. Like it was kind of a no brainer. And so Mm -hmm. I kind of just shifted into that and I kind of just like went for it. I didn't really have a plan. I didn't have a plan B actually. I just kind of went for it. I didn't wait until I like, you know, matched my salary or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, we kind of just went for it and just didn't have a plan B. So had to make it work and and didn't really look back. And yeah, I feel like that's my Enneagram seven in me that I just kind of like couldn't do the office stuff and just kind of went for it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. So your transition them from, I guess, technically part-time because you were doing, you know, stuff at the hospital and then you just went right into full-time then, right. Were you doing anything part-time before like photography on the side or, you know, off hours or anything like that? Yeah. And I think that's, I was doing it both, like both at the same time. And so Mm -hmm. I work all day and then I'd come home and I'd be editing or doing shoots all night. Um, but it wasn't, I didn't have the workload. 
I, you know, like I said, I purposely did not want to go full-time that I was kind of turning things away. So I only had like a part-time calendar, like schedule for the year because I Mm -hmm. didn't plan on going full-time. So then when I did decide to go full-time, then I was like, oh wait, but I only have like a part-time, you know, schedule technically like booked. And so, yeah, when I went full-time, then I just kind of went balls to the walls and just kind of (laughs) like really worked on getting booked out. And then I I ended up booking out and all that stuff. So that, yeah. Yeah. But like I said, I didn't wait to go full-time till I like matched my salary or anything like that. I didn't like have a plan and be like, okay, once I hit this, I'm going to go full-time. Like I just mentally got to a point. I just knew I couldn't do my other job anymore. It was like, my job was going downhill up. My photography was picking up. I just knew I had to go that direction. Yeah. Would you recommend that for someone maybe that's listening, that's in that position to just jump into full-time? Like you can be honest. Like if you, if you're like, this was a big mistake, like obviously it's not a mistake, but like at the time, maybe you weren't ready or maybe you were like, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I think this could go both ways, but for me personally, I think it really worked for me because like I said, when I quit my job in the medical field in the cancer center and then just went full time, I just, I didn't have a plan B. So it was like, in my mind, I mentally knew that I have to make it work. Cause I don't have another plan. Like this is the plan. Mm-hmm. And so I think having that behind me versus having another job to kind of fall back on and be like, Oh, well, you know, I can do this. And I I kind of, you know, have these instead of just like going all in and be like, this is what I I'm doing. This is what I do. And I don't have a plan B. So that motivated me that put like a fire under my butt. I kind of need that sometimes I am fueled by that and I'm inspired and driven by that. And so I think for me personally, it really helped me. Okay. Yeah. That's a good answer. I I could see that go both ways though. Totally. Right. Yeah. I think, I think if it were me, I would probably just be extremely overwhelmed and like, Oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? I also don't know what Enneagram I am. Like I've taken the test so many times, but like I genuinely get a different answer every time. So I have no idea like how my personality actually would handle that type of stress. I don't think it would be like super great. Right. Whatever works. Yeah. And it just kind of depends too. Like I said, the answer could go both ways. That's personally what worked for me. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's good to hear just a little bit about your story. I like to do that at the beginning of the episodes because I don't know. It's, it's nice to know, like, who, who are we talking to? Like, what, what is the deal? So, um, cool. And I do want to ask, what is it that you shoot on? Like, what are your go-to lenses? Um, I know everyone is different with what they shoot on. So I'm interested to hear what your favorites are. Yeah. I shoot on a Canon D, uh, Mark five or Mike Mark four, sorry. Oh, okay. Mark four, five D Canon Mark four, five D <laughs> and then There's I use too many five, letters and numbers. My, uh, my go-to lens is a 35. Um, okay. I have a 35, a 50 an 85 and a 24 to a 70. And mm-hmm. um, over the years I've accumulated all these lenses and yeah. I've condensed down and I finally found my system. And those are my four lens that I stick to. Okay. Besides yeah. the 35, what would you say is like the next one that you're using the most often? Um, mm, well, the 24 to 70 I use for ceremonies and then a toss up between my 50 and 85. Okay. Um, my 50 and 85, I use a lot for like details and, you know, like those more crisp detail shots and reception shots. Um, I would say my next one after my 35 is probably my 50 okay. or my 85. 
Yeah. I'm say toss up between three, just because I feel like my, my 35's on so much. <laughs> For real. It's like, you don't even think about your other ones. Yeah, Cause you just, no. <laughs> the 35's always on your mind. Yep. <laughs> okay. So when it comes to photography education, I guess we talked through like your beginning of starting photography, but what made you want to switch into photography education from, you know, starting as part-time at the hospital, going full-time and now into education? Yeah. I feel like I've always had a heart for helping people like the next one in line almost of like what I've learned. And I've just always been like that my whole life, I think with uh, just other things. And I know it's kind of cliche to just say that it is just what motivated me and just like made my heart like so, so happy. And even just like, I've tried doing other types of content and stuff like that. And I just am always drawn back to just helping other people and just like educating people. And I just found that that's, it gives me so much uh, joy, I think. And I know that's kind of a cliche answer, but that truly is like, just kind of why I decided to shift into that. Um, and like I said, I'm always, I love just to kind of like help the next person in line, like mm-hmm. what, what, no matter what that is in life. Um, and yeah. I just found that I really, really enjoyed doing that for yeah. photography, especially too. Cause I think I didn't realize how much I did have to offer, um, until people, you know, started asking me and I, you know, got and got into that position. It's like, you know what I do, I do know a good bit and I do have a specific view and a twist, um, on my view on things and I can kind of help people that way. And which I think is really just beneficial in the industry too, just to hear from other people and their perspectives and all that. Yeah. So as a photography educator now, what does your like everyday schedule look like? Cause I know it can be different. Like if you're just doing weddings or just doing education. So kind of walk me through like what an average day would be like for you. This is a, kind of a tricky question because <laughs> it'd be very different before I had my baby. <laughs> right. Obviously. And now that I have my baby, it's different. Cause I only work like two days a week. Um, mm-hmm with having like a babysitter a couple of days a week. But I think what's really helped me is just having help, um, having like a business assistant that helps me and also just having really awesome uh, streamlined workflows and automations that help me. I almost feel like with my, in terms of my photography, uh, the wedding photography side of my business, I have that so streamlined and set in place that I feel like out of all the areas in my business, I work in that the least just because I have that so streamlined and so down and a lot most of my work now is in my business coaching and in my education. And that's where I'm spending most of my time. Um, and so, yeah, like I have specific days that I just do meetings and then I have specific like business and admin work. And then I have, you know, I do just a bunch of batching as well. And like I said, I, it's crazy how much time I didn't realize that I took like before baby, before I had my baby, how much time I had. (laughs) Like (laughs) I look back, I'm like, what was I doing with all of that time? Because now it's like, oh, I have 10 minutes. Okay. Watch me get this done. (laughs) Now it's a whole different mindset. Yes. It's crazy. I, and I do well when I have a tight schedule and I'm busy, I'm so much more productive that way. Mm -hmm. Um, and so now that I do have my baby, I just, that's helped me structure my schedule so much. Like I said, only having a babysitter two days a week, um, has really helped me structure, structure that. So kind of answer your question. I would say just my days look different, but I really just batch things together. 
okay. as much as possible, like having meetings or like consult consult calls with potential brides and couples and stuff like that for photographers and like setting set days and times that I do do those calls and stuff. Okay, cool. That's awesome. That's a really good way to have your days set up, especially like you don't have to work five days a week, 40 hours, you know, especially when you run your own business, it's kind of up to you when you want to work it or not. And if you can get everything done in two days, like more power to you, go get it done and then enjoy your other days with your baby. So I think that's just a really, a really cool, like mindset to be in is just making sure when you do work, you get your things done because then you can get the most out of your week, you know? Yes. And then, so yeah, the days I don't have babysitters, I am like just maybe doing some smaller tasks or in, in some Instagram stuff, but I'm just mostly spending the day with Hazel, yeah. which is it's like, that's kind of a goal. That's my, yeah. <laughs> that's my goal and motivation. So yeah, uh-huh. you're right. Right. You're right on that for sure. Cool. So let's jump into the topic for today's combo, which is client experience. I don't actually know if we've talked much about client experience on this podcast. So I think this is going to be a good, very unique episode for our listeners. So you being the client experience guru, walk me through what is client experience and why is it important? I'm really excited. And this is like a good topic for really, really good topic for your podcast. I'm really excited just because client experience I have found is, has been like the number one game changer in my business. And, um, something that I like really put energy in me to shift into years ago, but client experience essentially is just everything that you do in your business. Like Mm -hmm that it helps make your clients lives easier, especially when it comes to like the service you provide. And I always say that client experience is kind of broken up into two parts. It's like client experience and client connection. So client experience is everything that you do in your business on the back end and the way you communicate with your clients, the way you nurture them, the way you onboard them, the way you just all that customer like client experience type of stuff. But then client Mm -hmm. connection is that like how you're making that connection with your clients um, within like communication and like in person and how you're actually delivering the experience to them both in person and online. But there's kind of different parts to that. So it's how you're actually making that connection and then how you're actually serving them. So it's kind of like broken down into two parts. And I do hear so many photographers say that like, we're kind of in a saturated market and it, you know, it feels like a saturated market and people kind of go with it, um, approach it with that scarcity mindset, but you know, your client experience that you provide to your clients is kind of like the one thing that nobody else can do, but you. Mm-hmm. And so I always say, if you have that mindset that you think it's like, that it's um, a saturated market and you're having that scarcity mindset, you're knowing that your client experience is the one thing that's going to set you apart from everyone else. It's the one thing that no two people can do the same. Um, You're delivering, that's your complete uniqueness about you. Um, It's the one thing that makes you stand out in everything. So when you have solid systems um, for a good client experience set in place, you can really then put your energy into other things such as your marketing or lead generation or growing your team and scaling your business that way. And so I think, like I said, it's the biggest thing that made the biggest impact in my business um, when I made that shift and really put focus into elevating my client experience. Yeah, I think client experience is honestly, like the foundation of running a successful business, because if you are not giving your clients a good experience, 
they're not going to go refer you to their friends or, you know, whoever, because that that's really how you're going to want to get business is through referrals. So that client experience is honestly key. Like if someone has a bad experience with you, like game over, like, I mean, it's not game over, like you can recover from that. I, I take that back, but you know, it's, it's yeah. a little, it's harder because you have just this negative energy in place. But if you're really focusing on client experience um, and that's your, your main priority, your client's going to feel that they're a priority, which is, it's huge. Like that experience is what's going to help your business grow. Totally. And game over is in like, they're not going to refer you. Like, right. yeah. So like, like referrals are probably not going to get a referral from them. Yeah, right. exactly. Exactly. And two, like I said, it's really about picking up on and identifying how that specific client um, identifies and receives and needs to feel loved and seen. And so when you can pick up on those traits and characteristics, like from their initial inquiry, from the get-go, like that's going to completely change the experience that you provide to them. Cause you can kind of customize that and, um, show them love in a way that they perceive it and that they need it more. Yeah. So, um, and also like client experience to it starts, like way before you're even in contact with them, right. like their, our experience with them starts when they hit submit on our contact form and they get in our inbox. And then the response that we send to them, that's when our experience starts with them, but their experience may start two, three years ahead of time when some, they just hear your name from, from a friend. And then that's whatever that person says, that's their subconscious, like client experience that starts right there. And so mm-hmm. You just, you never know where their experience is going to start with you. They could hear about you from a friend. They could see you at a wedding. They could stumble across a Pinterest pin or find you on, you know, on a Google search or your website, or even like your social media. It's just crazy. You never know where someone's going to pick up and come in on your experience on their experience with you. Yeah. And so that's why it's really important to also just be kind of like consistent. Like, so I say client experience is everything in your right. business. It's yeah. everything. It all relates back to it. It really is. So yeah. what you were saying about kind of gauging each client's way mm-hmm. of like feeling love from you, could you kind of expand on what are some like examples of like, if this person's doing this, then I would do this to help the experience? Yeah. And so an example of this would be, you can really pick up on these traits and characteristics from the initial inquiry, like from the contact form. And so you can, so say when people are filling out your contact form, they're very like ABC, they're very like, this is where we're getting married. This is when, um, we want eight hours. What's your price? Like very specific. I think as photographers, a lot of people get like, oh, they're not our ideal client because they're just, that's, they're very straight to the point and maybe more like left brain thinking, but it's, that's not the case. And it's kind of our job to like educate them and like take them in, but also like show them like, that's just how their brain thinks. And that doesn't mean that they don't admire your work and it's how you're then showing love and serving them back. So maybe someone like that, that has a very straightforward, um, fills out your contact form. It's very like straightforward and like, 
ABC, like factual and all that stuff. Maybe they just, um, they need like certainty that they just need to kind of know the facts and then you can kind of pick up and that's kind of a situation that maybe I would be more straight to the point or maybe send them my standard pricing guide that I have instead of creating them a customer proposal. Maybe I'll send them my standard pricing guide so that they do have the facts. But then my job obviously is always to like give them a good call to action, get them on the phone to help take them from like that left brain thinking more of like the factual and like shift to them and guide them through over to like more right brain, right brain thinking, like to more like the emotional creative side a little bit too, and kind of see where they're coming from with that. But then also say you have a, someone fills out your contact form and they just give you their whole life story yeah. and they, they tell you their whole proposal. They just tell you everything. And then, you know, that maybe they prioritize um, like love and connection. And that way, when you're crafting your initial inquiry response, you can really dive into that and um, really show interest in what they said and really pull points from that. And you know that they really value feeling like seen and heard and loved mm -hmm. that, like the love and connection part of their relationship. And that way you can serve them more. And in that situation, maybe I would create them a custom proposal because that's going to make them feel like really loved in the sense of that there, she's really taking the time to customize things for me. And yeah. so it's really about just reading and picking up on those traits from that very first initial inquiry contact form and how to serve them a little bit more better. Cool. Yeah, that that's really cool. I've honestly never really thought of it like that. You know, I just kind of think like, I definitely notice in my inbox when someone comes in and submits a form, I definitely notice the different personalities right away, but I never honestly thought about crafting each response to each person, which definitely helps with booking too. You know, as, as you're adapting to all these different types of clients, they're going to feel the love that they need to feel from you in all of their different ways. So that's really cool. I literally, my mind is like blown <laughs> right now. Cause like, I've, I've never thought of it like that. Um, well, that's awesome. Yeah. Like you said, it's going to increase your booking rate. It's going right. to decrease the ghosting rate. They're less likely to ghost you. Yes. Um, it's yeah, it's just, it does all the things. And that's just like a little, just a little even part of like client experience. And so right. like I said, there's so much that goes into it. Yeah, totally. So yeah. let's say that I am just starting my photography business. Um, like I kind of just blank slate and just starting. What are some things that you would recommend that I focus on for my client experience, like from the beginning part of a business? Yeah. And what's super, super cool about client experience is that anyone at any stage of their business can always elevate their client experience and their connection. And mm -hmm. it's never too early or too late to like lay that foundation down. Um, and it's also never too late to improve it too. Like we were saying earlier, client, like you were saying the client experience is kind of like that foundation. And I a hundred percent agree. And, but I also on the flip side too, like you're never too established in your business to improve it either. And so that's, what's really cool is that there's, there's so many ways, but my suggestions, just like a few like suggestions I would do is number one is really focus on powerful messaging. And so getting really, really clear on your brand voice about who you are and who you serve, how you serve them and your unique method or approach at what you do, having that alone um, is really going to set you apart as well. And having that uniqueness, like a different method or approach, or even just the way 
of how you serve them or who you serve is different, but it's, it's one thing to have that and kind of think about that, but then it's another thing to actually clearly articulate that and like consistently using your messaging in a powerful way and really having compelling copy that directly translate and like definitely like directly attracts those types of clients too. Um, and so I think that would be really, really powerful too, to like kind of really focus on with your client experience. Cause then you're kind of getting those types of clients in that you really want to work with. Okay. Um, yeah. And then number two is creating a workflow from initial inquiry to anniversary. Um, so creating like a nurture email sequence that is automated. So it frees up some time for you while also simultaneously like serving your clients as well. Like we were saying, I'm a, I love personally, I know there's like mixed, mixed emotions on this, but I personally love having automated email templates set as a base for me. And like I said, it just having that base works super, super well. And that way I can then go in and make those tweaks and customize it when I need to, like we're saying, like when you're responding to initial inquiries and stuff like that, and like, Mm -hmm. obviously just like customizing it as much as possible, but when you have it like set in place and have an automated email, like a nurture sequence for people throughout their entire process, I think that's really important. And it's something, a key thing to really think about too, is meeting your clients where they're at in the sense of, I see a lot of people just like giving a welcome guide that's just like throwing all the information at them. And then like halfway through their process, people get questions about like turnaround times or something like that. And then the photographer is like, we get like um, upset because we're like, well, it's in the welcome guide, you know, it's in the, it's in there, but you know what? They are thrown with so much information. They need to see things so many times. And also they didn't need to, I think it's a good thing to have in your welcome guide, but they didn't need to know the turnaround time as you're onboarding them. That's not something that they need to know if they want. I think again, good thing to have it in there, have it in your welcome guide, but it's one of those things where they're going to need to hear that again at the time of where they're at in the process. And so I think having nurture sequence, um, nurture emails throughout the process is super important just to meet them where they're at, um, in the process and kind of being a step ahead of them that way. I think it's really helpful. Yeah. Um, And then the third one is create ideal clients, create your ideal clients out of the current ones that you already have, because people get so caught up in trying to attract your ideal clients that Mm -hmm. we kind of forget about the ones that we already have. Like you already have clients. So prioritizing and putting your focus on them and how you can help guide them into being, I guess, like more of your ideal clients, not only for you, but for them as well and their experience. And so like what that kind of looks like. So an example instead of doing like maybe just like a regular same old session in like a location that you always do like in a field or something like that when you get to know your clients you can you can be the creative one and guide them in the process that like brings ideas to them that they might not have even realized that they wanted to do um or like ideas that they that you think are really cool that would be more like really ideal for you and also very aligned with them that maybe they didn't mm-hmm. think of like for an example um, if maybe they have like a camper or like a motorcycle or something like that, like something fun that they always like to do or somewhere like where they met or something like that. Like, how can you incorporate that into their session to be kind of like a more fun, creative session for you, but also it's really meaningful for them too. And so really 
focusing on the clients that you already have instead yeah. of being focused on the ones you don't. And a way kind of how this looks too, is you can do this through the guides you send through the nurture emails you send through questionnaires that you send them, mm-hmm. um, and like really crafting it that way. They're looking to you as the expert to help to, for you to guide them. So, um, kind of taking the reins in that and controlling that situation. Yeah. So when you're talking about nurture sequences, can you kind of walk me through maybe just an example of a nurture sequence? Maybe it's for wedding clients or engagement sessions or whatever. So kind of like from the beginning to the end of the nurture sequence, kind of like what those steps are. You don't have to go into like exact detail, but like walk me through the steps of what that would look like in case anyone listening is like, how the heck can I do this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so what a nurture, like what a nurture email sequence kind of looks like is when you have your workflow set up and set in place is the, you know, how you're having it automated through your workflow. So maybe you have an email sent being sent out at like one year out from their project, maybe 10 months out, eight months out, six months out, four months out, two months out, one month out, week of all of that stuff. It's nurturing them through that process and sending them that exact information that they're needing at that time in their process. Like I was saying before, um, just giving them, you know, you can, your nurture sequence emails can be whatever you can customize them to your, to like your own process and um, how you like to work and stuff too. But essentially that in itself is you're able to kind of help craft your ideal clients from there because then when you show up on their wedding day, they're going to do all the things that you suggested. Cause they really, really trust you. Like yeah. our clients really, really trust us. And so they're going to probably listen to most things that we have to offer. And so it's a really good opportunity for you to take those nurture sequence emails and create your ideal clients from there. So what that kind of looks like is educating them on like getting ready space and like the importance of it being, you know, clean, or maybe like the lighting of a ceremony, mm-hmm. um, just things that maybe they didn't think of because I've had even clients say that like through my nurture sequence emails that I sent to them, it's just kind of like a way to educate them through your process, but where they're at. And I've even had clients come to me and say, through my email and say, we wouldn't have ever even thought about the lighting of the ceremony during your time, during the time that it is of the time of year and outside, we switched it and night and day and like better photos for them and for easier on us to take as a photographer because the lighting's better. And so it's just, you, you kind of can take control over a lot of things. And so I see a lot of photographers kind of get upset about a lot of things about, you know, like frustrated with like their clients, if they're asking something or if something's not like right on the day or like things are unclear. And honestly, I always think that it can circle back to you and it's kind of on you. Like there's a way around, there's a way to control that situation a little bit, not everything, but the most you can. And that's through your nurture sequence. Yes. And just by prepping them and like Mm -hmm. mentally preparing them. I, I have an email that I sent to my clients for Specifically, it's like a family photo prep email because I'm just like, yeah. I, I want you to be ready for the fact that family yes. photos are going to be a little bit stressful. And so like I asked them, like, send me your combos ahead of time. Like, this is what it's going to look like. Like anything like that is really going to help the situation. Obviously, there are some things you can't control. Like if grandma wanders off to the bar Right. Grandma didn't read the email, so grandma doesn't know. But grandma's at the bar, right? Yeah, grandma's at, grandma's always at the bar. Either that, or like an uncle or a cousin or someone. Um, I love it. 
<laughs> yeah, but that, like an email, for example, like that could really prep your clients and just get them mentally ready for it. And almost mm-hmm. it's almost like preventative in a sense it, for that specific situation. You'd want to kind of prevent some chaos. So sending that email is really going to help with that. So I, I yeah. love the idea of nurture sequences. That's yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. This is me just like verifying, like, yes, like keep going. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. So I want to talk about connection too, because you said connection, like kind of is like the second part of client experience. So I guess like, this is a very vague question, but why do you think connection is important in photography? Um, when sometimes I, feel like we try to almost disconnect ourselves like there are some photographers who approach photography as I'm here to take photos and literally nothing else like I'm here to just stand in the background take photos and then deliver them to you afterwards so why do you feel like that connection part is actually important it's so so important I'm really glad you asked this question too because it's one of those things not only like their experience behind the camera and their experience on their wedding day and at their session, even if their photos are amazing, they could be the most incredible photos ever, but their experience of like photos are attached to emotions. So when they look at their photos, they're going to remember, oh, they said this at this time, or like that was, or it could be a complete opposite and be like, that was super weird. She had me like lick his face and I've never licked his face before. And so I also see a lot of photographers too, really trying to like memorize shot lists or poses, maybe that they get inspired and see other photographers doing. So like the mistake I see a lot of photographers make is getting inspired from other photographers posing or like looking at other photography posing, um, you know, tips or like prompts and stuff like that, instead of actually customizing it to the the couple, because yeah, like I've been guilty of this too in the past. And I've, this is why I'm so passionate about it. Cause I've had situations where I'm like, Oh, cringe. Like, I can't believe I did that. Like, um, a good example would be, um, I didn't, before I did all this and incorporated all of this into really focusing on like the connection I made for them, like during their session and like using questionnaires and all this stuff is I, told them to do like the drunk walk, which is like the most common prompt or whatever. Cause like, that was when I was just doing prompts that I saw or like other people doing or something that I just made sense. And they just kind of, and that's the very first thing I did with them. And they just kind of froze up and they're like, we actually don't drink. And I was like, okay, well that completely ruined their whole session with me. Obviously I made the best of it and all that, but they're going to remember that. And that's their experience. And that's that connection. And like, that's, that's what they're going to remember now. And like I said, photos are tied to emotions. So they're going to see that photo and they're going to have that emotion tied to them. And so I'm like, okay, cool. And so ever since that, I'm like, okay, cringe. I've got to customize each session to my couple. And so now instead of trying to like memorize shot, like shot lists and stuff, obviously I use like base poses and stuff like that, but, um, using like my couple as my inspiration, to get like the prompts from instead of trying to memorize a uh, shot list. And I think that really, really helps with that connection and almost like the client connection piece is what ties it all together. Like if you have an awesome experience and then that connection is what you make in person, it kind of like ties it all together. Okay. That, yeah, that totally makes sense. I, I think I saw someone say that like 
if you see a photo on Pinterest that you like absolutely love and if you go and try to recreate that like you're not going to get the the same result because what you like in the photo is like the connection that you see between the couple like you like the emotional aspect of it and that's something that honestly you can't recreate like it has to be unique to each couple so um, although Pinterest is a really good place to just like start it's not a good place to end especially with posing because the connection is really what's going to help with the posing side of it but also the client experience just your client feeling at the end of it like connected to the photos in some way you know because you are making it unique to them yeah you're exactly right and that's that's spot on I think a good example like something that you could do with that is if you find people sending you Pinterest pictures or something like that, have in your process, in your nurture sequence, in your welcome guide, in your process somewhere explaining that to them. Because as clients, they don't understand that. Like we as photographers, we get that, that clips for us, but Mm. clients, they don't, they're just like, oh yeah, we want, this is what we want. Especially when you ask them, like, what are you envisioning for your day? What do you want? That's what they're comparing it to. So when you can educate them on that, that will then click for them too. Right. And it's funny because sometimes like I I have had people send me a shot list before. um, And, you know, I honestly, the way I approach it is I kind of just say like, thanks. And then I don't even like address it again. And then I give them their photos and they don't even think about the fact that they sent me a shot list because it's just like they're seeing themselves and like the emotion from the day in their photos. And that's really all that they care about. So the Mm -hmm. shot list honestly just goes like out of sight, out of mind. Like once it's in my inbox, I'm like out of sight, out of mind, you know, but I I mean, obviously I look at it and notice the things that they like and, you know, what different styles they like, but I'm not, you know, going to pull up the Pinterest board in the mini- in the middle of a, like a session or a wedding and just be like, okay, we're on to pose number two. Here we go. Right. Um, and you're yeah. probably getting those shots anyways. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I want to talk a little bit about website because obviously mm-hmm. website is like where people find you and that's kind of where experience really starts to matter because that will transition them into being in your inbox and filling out that form. So um, what are some of the things that you think should be on a website that are going to help with experience and connection? Yeah. And so like you were right, your website is the first, not even a first, it could be a first, but you never know where they're going to come to you in the process. But your website is a really good place to start in terms of they have their eyes on you wanting to book you like that is there and you have full control over their experience and how you're guiding them through your entire website versus on Instagram. People get distracted. You have zero control over what they're viewing of you and their journey and their experience with you. So your website is really important to have um, to go through it and have it like seamlessly flow in a really way that in a way that, um, gives them a good experience. Mm -hmm. So I always say, and something I see a lot too, is making sure like in the top fold of your website, meaning like right when you land on their website, before you even have to scroll or anything, because attention spans are really, really short these days. (laughs) I think we're seeing that with like short form video being so popular attention spans are so, so short. So that top fold, right when they land on your page, how are you like immediately catching their eye? And that means stating exactly what you do, how you do it, how you're different, um, how your unique method or approach is different. And basically you want them to land in your top fold and be like, look no further. That's exactly what we need. Um, 
And so that I, it sounds simpler than it is. I think I like, there's a lot of people that don't have that. And I think that alone would make a huge, huge difference for your booking rate, their experience, everything, all of that. I think that's a really good place to start really identifying that, identifying your brand words and your elevator pitch almost, and put like placing those in the top fold of your website. Um, another thing to have in the top fold of your website is a really clear, like stand out section that has like book me like a place, a button that they can click to get in contact with you whether that be like start planning your experience or start planning your wedding um, or book me. Uh, I think those are a lot clearer too. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I think a lot of people get really fan like us as creatives, we're creative minded and creative people that we try to get really fancy with our copyright. And so I think the more clear that you can have, the more clear your copy is, um, the easier it is for the client and their experience with you. Because I see people label their blog like journal and like, I get that. Like we're photographers and we're trying to make it like artsy and stuff like that. But a potential client might be like journal, like what's what's a journal? You know what I mean? I think they'd probably figure it out, but I think the more clear you can be with your copy and like not getting too fancy, the better. Mm -hmm. But, um, so that, but then also like having a really, really clear place that they can book you like a really clear, easy, like book me button right in that top fold. You don't want to make them scroll. You don't want to send them on a scavenger hunt on trying to find how to even get in contact with you. You want that to be super, super clear all throughout your website to get to your contact page. Um, and your contact page should always be like two to three pages or clicks the way to getting like in contact with you, like okay. through their journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also once you have a contact form or like once you have that contact button, you really want to make sure that you have a contact form that is really easy to find. Like we just said with really bold, bold call to actions, but it's also a really clear contact form too. Okay. Meaning like behind it, that there's no pictures also that it's like, it's not too long of a contact form that you're not asking too many questions. I see a lot of people asking questions that are just are not necessary at that point in the process. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest, like the main reason, the biggest point of a contact form is just to get them in your inbox. That way you can take control over their experience from there right. and how that communication is going to go back and forth. And so there's questions that I see people asking in their contact form that like, they don't need to ask at that point, they can ask later. Um, and so I think it's just important to have a, like, a really fine balance between not too short of a contact form, but not too long of a contact form, just the exact basic information you need to get to know how you need to respond to that initial right. inquiry. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. With that. And then I would say one more thing on your, on your um, website, obviously is like having your copy that is your copywriting, your wording that's not about as much you it's more about your ideal client and so even it's hard because even like with your about me page and your about me section it's a lot of like i i i and me me Mm -hmm. me and so even just shifting your um, copy into like instead of saying like how i document moments you could Mm -hmm. say how your, how your moments are going to be documented because okay. it's going to be about them. And they're going to read this and be like, Oh yeah, that's, that's me. Like it's hit, it hits home for them. And it's makes that connection piece a little bit stronger than reading a website. That's like all about someone else. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause yeah. I think it's like, they want to know, Oh, it's about me. And like, 
how, how I'm being served. Like this is a service that I'm investing in and making it really about them. In yeah. your copy. So those are my things. With yes. the website. No, that's, that's all really helpful. And I think sometimes we get caught up with like making our website just like over the top artsy and like you really do just need the basics on there. Like obviously your brand needs to be very clear, but you need the basics of book me buttons, a contact form. I have personally reached out to photographers because, you know, I've booked sessions in the past and some of these contact forms, I literally felt like I had homework and I was like, I don't have time to fill all this out. Like, I don't know the answer to this question. So yeah. I, I do think it, like you were saying, it's important to have like, you know, the, the essential questions, but you don't need to go over the top with like, I would say like the, um, you know, the, the fields where it's like, you can either do like a short paragraph or let them write a long paragraph. You should not have more than like one or two long paragraph sections because at that point you really are just giving them homework. Like you want check boxes and just like short little answer sections. You don't want anything that's going to feel overwhelming because right away that's just going to like turn people off. Like I've been turned off by contact forms before. Um, so I really like that one. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm just going to leave website there. Um, you know, cause I, yeah. you really just touched on everything that I was hoping you would touch on. So great. Oh. Um, <laughs> amazing. So, um, the last thing that I wanted to talk about with you was pricing because client experience is affected by pricing. You even talked about it earlier when you were talking about a custom package versus, you know, uh, just a package template or whatever. So yeah. how do you think pricing impacts overall client experience, um, in your opinion? I think, yeah, I think it has direct correlation to it. And I, a lot of people kind of like look to others to decide or like ask opinions on like their pricing or kind of have other people say like what they should help, what they should charge when in reality, like no one can tell you what to charge. No one knows what you can charge, but you, like Mm -hmm. you are the one that runs your business. You should know your cost of doing business, how much your expenses are, how much your cost of living are, like your bills and all that, but your client experience is directly related to that. Like the better experience that you're providing your clients, the higher, like the more you can increase your pricing with that. Cause you have the value this in your service and the client experience to back it up. Okay. And so the last thing you want is someone to invest in your services and they don't feel like it matched what the price, like the service didn't match the price. Right. So when you have that client experience to back it up, that's when you can like really increase your pricing and to like have that to match. And like I said, no one can know like the value of your services and the experience that you provide, but you. And so that's kind of what you need to take into your own hands to kind of like figure out. And like I was saying, as soon as you feel like really focus on elevating your client experience, that directly like adding value to your service and all that you're therefore then able to increase your pricing to reflect that. Right. Yeah. I, I love that. So when it comes to charging, then, um, how would you figure out like what you should charge based on some of these things, like you were talking about experience and, you know, all the different things that add value to your services. Yeah. And so on top of like client experience and stuff like that too, um, want to make sure that you're running your cost of doing business. So just by figuring out your, your fixed expenses that to like in order to run your business and then kind of take your package price that you have, minus all of your expenses and all that stuff. And kind of a good rule of thumb for like allocating your money and all that is to make 
like break up your payment and like 30% go to taxes, 25% go to business checking, you know, 25% pay yourself and 20, the other 20% goes to like a business savings mm-hmm. and kind of knowing then like breaking down that pack, like your package price after like your expenses and breaking all that down um, to kind of like figure out how much you're actually taking home and like how much you're actually profiting yeah. from, from your sessions and from your weddings. And I think once you see that number, you'll realize like, like, wow, like what do I need to do to be able to like, you're, you're more confident too. Once you see that all broken down, you're more confident. And like, this is why I have to charge this. And this is why I charge what I do because at the end of the day, like what you're actually charging for a session or like a wedding, you're not actually just taking that home. Yeah. Oh, I wish. Yeah. Right. And so, um, breaking all that down, I think you can be a lot more confident in charging what you do, but then it also might be a wake up call of like, okay, I really do need to put effort and prioritize my client experience so that I do have the client experience to back up what I charge, but also to be able to increase your pricing too. Because I think what's helped me get to more pre-charging, more premium pricing for my wedding is my client experience, Mm -hmm. um, is like the social proof and the brand reputation and client experience that have kind of built up behind that. And so I think those things are really important to um, think of and looking at and kind of that can help um, decide what you should be charging to. Yeah. But, um, I think at the end of the day, nobody can tell you what to charge, but you by knowing, knowing all of those things for yourself. Yeah, totally. When it comes to making packages, then like, how would you make a package that is client experience focused? You know, it could be tempting to just make a package that's just like, you know, the same for everyone, but how is it different when you have client experience in your head? Yeah. I love this question because it does make a huge impact. And so like we were saying before, I try to do as many custom proposals as possible. And Mm -hmm. that's not to say I don't have like my standard pricing as in I send my standard pricing to an example would be like a local wedding. They know they want eight hours coverage. They are within my budget that they filled on on my contact form there. Maybe they, you know, value more certainty. Um, and they just, they want, you know, like the fact, like you you can pick up on those traits that who you can send those to, but I also try to do as many custom proposals as possible too, because they will feel really like valued and that that I took the time to actually create a custom experience and a custom day to them. Mm -hmm. And just because every wedding's so different too, that, um, you can, it's easier to kind of like tailor to their needs, especially if there's someone, like we said, who filled out their contact form and it's, it's a long form and they're telling you everything about their life story. They really value feeling like seen and love and connection. And so when you create a custom proposal for them, that's really going to help with their experience as well. Um, And so just by doing that alone, like having, doing custom proposals that really help elevate the experience that you are providing for them. Um, And also too, another thing like, like client experience focused when it comes to your packages is just educating them and being really honest on like which package would be best for their day. So an example for that would be like in their price, in your pricing guide, if you, you should always include like timeline examples too. Like if you do have an eight hour and a 10 hour option is to give like an example sample timeline of that day, but then also at the bottom or like have a little paragraph or something by it that like says who this package would be good for. So like um, an eight hour package, this package would be best for 
the, um, if your wedding is all at one venue and you're not traveling to different places and you know, you can get everything, what you need in those eight hours, because you're not doing all the travel time right. or even another example too, when you are laying out package pricing, I do this with my custom proposals, especially is really like tell a story about that package. So okay an all day experience versus a four hour experience for like an elopement or something like that is like telling a story instead of just being like, yeah, you full day experience, um, two shooters, engagement session, you know, gallery delivery, all that instead of, yes, you should lay, lay that out too. But we could also do is have a little paragraph that like tells the story. So saying like, starting at sunrise, you know, waking up at sunrise to get ready in the dark and like all this stuff, um, mm -hmm. to all the way, like, you know, telling the story and like through the whole day to like dancing under the stars, like barefoot in the grass, like something mm -hmm. like that. So really leaning into all the senses, like what smells, feelings, surroundings, all that stuff. And like, tell the story of what a full day experience looks like. And then tell the story of like what your four hour experience looks like, like whatever that, whatever that is, that's just an example. Mm -hmm. When you can tell the story, that's really leaning into that right side brain, that emotional connective part of it. That's right. really going to help them feel more connected and on that more of that emotional level too. And they're going to feel so much more connected with you, like from the start with that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I totally agree with that. That that's such a good idea. Um, cause you know, you kind of make packages and just kind of expect them to know what they can get out of eight hours. But I feel like almost like eight, I would say 80 to 90% of my clients have no idea how much coverage they want. Like when I ask them, like, what are you thinking for coverage? They're like, um, I don't know. Like I, exactly. I have no idea. I've never done this before. So yeah. Even that little aspect of creating the little paragraph at the bottom of a package, it it shows almost like expertise too. Like you know what can be included in it, and then you do the connection piece of like describing exactly what they get out of it. Um, I really think that's a a really good idea for just like take it's like taking it one step further. Like creating yeah. custom packages is already one step, but then it's like taking it. A step further than that. And that's honestly beyond what a lot of people would do. And that's, what's going to make you unique and kind of set you apart. Exactly. And that's like, I'm so glad you said that. That's exactly it too. Cause that's all, that's all client experience and connection is it's taking things and just keep stacking. Like, how can yeah. you go that further? How can you even go, you know, dive deeper, give them even the easier you can make it on them, the better. Mm -hmm. So I honestly, client experience is all about just taking it one step further, yes. diving deeper, elevating yeah. it a little bit more there's always yes. ways to prove it <laughs> it's like a big game of Jenga you know yeah. it just you just keep stacking keep going keep going <laughs> kind of and then it falls over but then that part we don't, we don't talk about that <laughs> Can we build it back up again? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, cool. Well, I think that basically covered everything that I wanted to talk about for client experience, but I would love for you to tell our listeners kind of like what's up and coming in your business, what's exciting, and then where they can follow you as well. Yeah, I love it. Well, you can find me at Rachel Traxler on Instagram, and that's just where I offer a lot of free education that way. And like I mentioned too, I'm a photography business coach and I just help wedding photographers become kind of go-to industry leaders and help them increase their dream wedding inquiries and convert their inquiries into bookings and help you elevate your client experience and connection and help you charge premium pricing and just kind of help you generate your highest revenue year yet that you have and just increase mm -hmm. your 
all over revenue and all that. So if that sounds like something that you're looking for with that, you can just DM me at Rachel Traxler or even just go to racheltraxler.com slash apply. And that's just to my group coaching program that I have. Cool. Um, and then what do you have up and coming? Anything exciting that you're working on or anything like that? I think not that I can think of with like up and coming. I think, like I said, a lot of my focus this year is going into my students and my group coaching program. Okay. So that's, that's where a lot of my energy is going into right now. Um, I do have also a podcast myself as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I have that is the gold biz podcast that I will be doing more episodes on that as well. Otherwise that's kind of where my focus and energy is going into this year. Yeah. I mean, that's a yeah. lot, that, that's enough yeah. on its own. <laughs> yeah. I did a lot of building last year and now this year it's focused on mastery. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, you got to do it. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on this episode. I really appreciate it. Expose my mind to clarity Oh, my spirit shudders Capture the moment, pause, keep my sanity The wisdom rushing in So much clearer now Getting a little bit hard